Hello, family, and welcome to Normal with Autism, the podcast where we are walking with faith on this side of the spectrum. We invite you to the kitchen table to experience the joy in the journey. I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. Hello. What's up? I'm sleepy. Me too. It is a Friday early eve when we are recording this, and it's in Columbus, Ohio. It's gray and chill. It's not chilly. It's like cool. Yeah, which is amazing. I know. Yeah. It's been so hot. Yeah, it's been hot and jungly. Like yeah. it's been jungly, oppressively, yes. like I can't breathe hot. Yes. Yeah. Humidity. Yeah. Humidity. Humidity. Hum- something like that. Humidity. I just woke up from a three-hour nap where when I woke up, I did not know where I was. And then it slowly came back to you. The horrors of reality. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the photos of the orange skies? Oh, my gosh. I was just getting ready to say, we should not complain about the weather. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We it's, can breathe here. It's horrifying. It, it It's scary. I have uh, one, two sets of friends that live out in California. Mm. And one I know for sure is like in the central area where... Oh my goodness. Where that stuff is happening, where the fires are happening. And I'm like checking in with them regularly, like, hey, what's going on? How are you? And I'm like, Keith, check in with our buddies, see how they're doing, what's going on. Yeah, this is what we're not going to do, you guys. We're going to stop doing stupid gender reveal parties. They're dumb. Please don't use pyrotechnics to announce if your kid has a penis or a vagina. And that's how one of them got started. Yeah. Like I, and that's how one of them got started the other year, right? The biggest one, the most expensive, craziest one. I, I think. I mean, I don't have my facts and sources checked, but I think that's there's what also I an investigation uh, into the Oregon fires that I saw. Um, the Ashland fires were arson from someone trying to burn a dead body. So I'm, I'm immediately like, "Tell me everything." Is that made it on a podcast yet? No, you, you know where I heard about this? No, tell me. In the amazing new group called Aldi True Crime. I know we've talked about Aldi groups on here before, but this one, it's a Facebook group for fans of Aldi and True Crime. It is the best. No, I was going to say, I know there's an Aldi group. Yes. And I understand that stuff can get real, real in that group. Yeah. That's my current understanding. And then there's a now there's an Aldi cross-section murder yes true crime group yes so it's like look at my nachos i made with all all the ingredients while i watch 48 hours it's the best it is my favorite thing they have the best memes it's so great murder is not great i want to be clear right we don't we don't support that at all no no it's not good it's bad it's very bad but if you want me to add you to it let me know Okay. Um, What else? Oh, will our listeners who love us, will y'all please do us a favor? We would love you so much. If you would please pause the recording at this moment. um, And if you would hit that subscribe button 
and rate and review us because we just want to get in front of more ear holes. And we'll wait. I won't say anything funny until you're back. And that's that's what we need is we we want to get into the ear holes and make everybody happy and love. I just want everybody to love everybody. And the way that happens is if you hit the subscribe button and rate and review us, please. If you do that, you will save the world. Is that how that works? Did you end up watching Mean Girls? Oh, my God. I need you to watch it. <laughs> I have seen I have seen enough of the movie to understand what it's about. I get that there's, like, a burn book and, like, they, there's a mean girl or several of them, hence the plural of girl yeah. in the title. <laughs> okay, so I shared this meme yesterday, and it was, like, leave a dot, and I'll tell you what character you are from Mean Girls. And so, of course, Tara leaves a dot. So I tell her that she is half the principal who's like, I didn't leave this outside for this. And, like, goes crazy. And half the girl that doesn't even go to that school who's like, I wish I could just bake a cake full of rainbows and everyone could eat it and everyone would be happy. Like, she is those people. Is that what I sound like? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but she's never seen the movie, so she doesn't understand how funny it is. Oh, well, now now I'm sad. and I don't know who I would be. You don't know who you would be? You'll have to watch it and let me know. Okay. All right. Well, again, if you love us and you want to support our, our uh, hard, hard work, the, um, keep in mind this, this uh, doesn't get done for free. It takes a minute to get everything together and... Uh, put everything together and so the one of the ways you can support us without like actually sending money to us is to subscribe rate and review so that we get in front of more ear holes um that would be fantastic and amazing i would appreciate it if you want to send us money that's fine yeah i was um i was gonna say that next but my venmo is oh you're oh loading really slow okay and i can't i was joking (laughs) I am not. Oh, okay. (laughs) I am not at this point. I would love if people want to, if they support us enough and you want to send us, you know, like a dollar bill or a $5 bill to say, hey, good job, girls. Keep going. I would be so happy if you did that. If you, if you had that in your hearts to do that. If you don't, it's fine. We love you. We still want you to listen. The, the non-financial way to help us out again is rate, review, and subscribe. I feel like I'm doing um, a fundraiser. I feel like this is a telethon. Right, like the WOSU telethon. We're doing what we can for rheumatoid arthritis. Right. So just come find me, uh, Tara-Smith23. Tara-Smith-23 at Venmo. Just drop us a a penny or two, and you will keep this work going because – it takes some money to get some stuff done. So yeah, Tara, T-E-R-R-A, dash Smith, dash 23. Come find me over at Venmo and drop me a penny or two if you are so inclined. You could just put cash in my mailbox if you want to. But then people will have to know where you live. And they'll never know because I'm a part of an Aldi true crime group and I know better. <laughs> That's right. That's 
That's right. Okay. Should we get into it? Should we? No. We're just a, a content warning. We're going to discuss some heavier stuff this episode. We might get political. Yeah, no, not really. No, we're not. No, it's, um, well, I mean, I don't know. It could seem like, you know, like I said on the last episode, like, what does it mean to be political? Like, if we're talking about being political means we're talking about the injustices in the world today, then yeah, that's, we're going to be talking a little bit about injustice today and how it impacts the autistic community, the disabled community. Yes. We're going to, we're going to go there today. So. It's not just all IEPs. Nope. 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 Which are very important. Mm-hmm. And very, can be very draining. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I was reminded the other day, I was listening to a podcast that I regularly listen to and enjoy um, called Pod Save the People. And the host on there, DeRay, he was um, talking about why they do the work that they do in... Um, is it Pod Save the People or Pod Save the World? Well, there's several different ones. Okay. Because I listen to Pod Save America. Yeah, there's Pod Save America. And Love It or Leave It. Love It or Leave It, Pod Save the World, and Pod Save the People. Okay. Yeah, and it's hosted by DeRay. And then he has a couple of other co-hosts that I'm terribly sorry. I can't remember their names at this time. However, um, DeRay was talking about um, campaign, or, yeah, campaign Zero um, and you know, why they started Campaign Zero. And it started with um, the Ferguson Revolution back in 2016, right? Is that right? It was so long ago. I hope I get my dates right. Anyway, it was long ago. Doesn't it feel like... Yeah, it seems like it wasn't that long ago. Right. Or it was like a lifetime ago. It either didn't... We've lived several lifetimes since then. Right, yeah. 2020 is the year of several lifetimes. Yeah. Because we're still... Well, we're kind of moving out of March just now, but now all of a sudden it's it's fall. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, the guy's name, host, wonderful Duray. I like his voice. Yes. He, I first um, saw him on The Daily Show with hmm. Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then they've interviewed him on Pod Save America a few times, and he's amazing. I love, yeah, I love him. And so he was talking about it, and he said because he um, wakes up, like asking questions and chasing the questions. And he, he was talking about, um, what questions are you chasing? And it kind of reminded me of why you and I started this work. We started the work two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this month, yay, made it two years. And when we started out, I think it was just like a quick, like, I want to have fun. I want to do a podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to help people the way that we needed help when we were first starting out. Right. Like if there were a podcast that was fun and gosh, I are we fun, right? We're fun people. I think so. I think we're fun. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Um, if there was a podcast out there that, you know, I could have listened to when Finn was first diagnosed that was somewhat like ours, like I probably would have felt a little better or whatever. Yeah. Um, not finding joy in the trauma. Exactly. That we should change our tagline to that. Finding joy in the trauma. <laughs> Do we want the word trauma in a tagline? I mean, let's call it like we see it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so Duray was saying, you know, what questions are you chasing? And meaning that the the work that we are doing is, I want us to be asking tough questions. I want us to, um, 
hopefully through those tough questions, like we're making this world a better place. And in our work, in our little section of trying to do that, we're focused specifically on the autistic community, the disabled community, Mm -hmm. but like in a wider, you know, a wider lens, like I hope we're making this world a better place. I want to leave it better than I found it. Right. Mm Um, and, um, I was reminded that like, we're not doing this work to be famous. I mean, I ain't going to lie. If JJ Abrams called me up tomorrow and be like, we think you're amazing. You need to come out to Hollywood and I will make a movie about your life. That is fantastic. I would be like, yes, I will be there. Who would play you in the movie? Have you ever talked about this? We've talked about it, yeah, before. But I, I forget who you said. Um, I said uh, Jessica Biel. Like oh, that's early right. Early two thousands, Jessica Biel. That's right. Yeah, would would take over from my. Who would play you? I don't know. Do you think Adele would make her film di- debut to to play me? You you would you would end up with an accent? Maybe that'd be great. Like you would just want her to keep her accent. Yeah. Okay. Is Tina Fey busy? I mean... She could play me. That's fine. We could check. Yeah. We could put in a phone call and see <laughs> see what's going on. Yeah. I don't know. But, the, I mean, the truth is, like, that's not going to ever happen to us. Never say never. I know. I know. I would um, be horrified, actually. I'd be like, would please you? don't do that. <laughs> please don't. You would be like, put down the camera <laughs> and the script. All right. So we're we're doing this work because we want to make a a better place. We want the world to be better. We want to make more space for people like Owen, people like Finn, um, autistic kids, autistic adults. Like that's that's what we're going for. And we want to have ask the big questions so we can have tough conversations because that's really the only way we're going to do better by them, right? Yep. Um, and so far in this podcast, especially for 2020, we have touched on things that I didn't ever even think we were going to discuss. Like, it, it just wasn't in my yeah worldview to even like, how does an autism podcast talk about racial justice, police brutality? social justice like mm-hmm. you know when we started we were we were talking about like vacation tips and yeah IEPs well, and I think that we went into this with privilege not knowing how all these things intersect mm-hmm. and if you're going to talk about one you got to talk about the other mm-hmm. you know like we said last week or last show we cannot advocate for the humane treatment of one group of disenfranchised individuals without advocating for ethical treatment of all individuals, you know, other disenfranchised groups. Like we're not going to do that. You mean you want to extend humanity to all? Everyone. What? All of them. That is crazy. Sarah. Call me, call me insane. If you will. Do you hear yourself? I know. You know, as we're talking, I, um, had no real idea who John Lewis was before everybody knew who John Lewis was, mm-hmm. you know, when he died. And I was watching one of the documentaries on his life. And I 
like thinking about it now, like I feel like I'm getting a little um, verklempt about it now because I watched him and he was, it was civil rights, civil rights, civil rights. Like he, like every day, that's what that man woke up and did is he went out in the street and he fought every day for that. Mm -hmm. And then it showed him going to a pride parade. Mm. Right. And he was like, you know, civil rights isn't just about black people. Mm-hmm. You know, civil rights isn't just about the brown person or the indigenous person. Like, the civil rights fight is for all of us. Mm-hmm. It impacts all of us. And it makes us all better. And it extends humanity to all of us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to do that. Like, when I saw he was, he's almost 80 years old and he's running up and down a parade route. I'm like, I want to be that. I, I want to be that person. And and so here it is now. It's 2020. And I feel way more, um, I hate to use the word like enlightened or awake or woke. But, but, right. But way more aware. Yeah. Right. Of everything going on around us. Well, and it's okay to admit <clears throat> how you know, how ignorant we were, how, you know, we didn't, that wasn't our world. Right. It's just like, it's just like anybody who is outside the autistic or disabled community. Like you're, I'm going to come up to you. You're not going to know what it's like to, um, raise, uh, a disabled child or an autistic child. Right. You're going to know what you were taught. Right. Unless you're living it with me or, Um, unless you're really closely connected. So I don't begrudge those folks at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So, but now, you know, we've been talking about racial justice. We've been talking about police brutality. And now those fights have come home. Mm -hmm. Um, Just uh, a few days ago or early last week, um, unfortunately... There was a 13-year-old white autistic child who was shot multiple times by police. And when I got to the reports, all the reports are pretty much the same. I'm just looking at the one from um, BBC News that was reported on um, on the 9th of September, 2020. Um, A 13-year-old boy in Glendale, Utah, was shot several times by police officers after his mother called 911 for help with his mental health crisis. Lyndon Cameron, who has Asperger's, a form of autism, is now in serious condition in the hospital, his mother said. Um, So the, the story is pretty much that he was having a meltdown, and if you're... Um, the parent to an autistic kiddo, you've seen meltdowns and how intense they could be. It's not like a, like a normal tantrum. It's Mm -hmm. a meltdown is like all the sensory stuff is going haywire. So he, um, I saw a couple articles where he was having a meltdown because he was so anxious. He has such separation anxiety. Yeah. His mom was going to work for the first time in a year and he had such a intense, you know, anxious reaction to that because his fight or flight kicked in and he ended up having a meltdown. He wasn't able to emotionally regulate, which comes with the territory. Exactly. And by the way, can happen to any one of us. It's just a neurotypical people. We don't call it meltdowns. Right. Um, But there have been times, you know, that 
I'm sure everybody listening within the sound of my voice has been so upset they couldn't get themselves calmed down, mm-hmm. right? Or it takes a while. And then the police had reported that what ended up happening is that they were told a violent psych issue and that the boy had made threats to some people with a weapon. Of course, there was no weapon. Um, but where is that breakdown? Is that dispatch? Is that... I don't know, because the mom's quoted as saying, I said he's unarmed, he doesn't have anything, he just gets mad and starts yelling and screaming, he's a kid. So uh, the way I'm picturing it is that they show up, she's telling that, like, yelling this at them as they're approaching him. Okay. And something just, you know, happened. Like, it's not, it didn't get through. Um, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So there is a GoFundMe, again, for Lyndon Cameron. Um, I think we've posted stuff on our Facebook page mm-hmm. to that um, site if you want to go link to it, and we'll put the, the BBC article in our show notes. Um, so here are some facts to kind of help guide us through this conversation. And in this conversation, I, I'm, I want to ask those questions. I want to chase after those questions. Um, at least one quarter, so 25% of people shot by police are struggling with a mental illness. Yeah. That's a really big number of people. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary number Yep, to me. Um, and if we can turn the conversation to kind of how we're going to bring it home a little more personally, mm-hmm. you have had to call the police for your child. Yes. And I want to be—I want to be very clear about the language we use. You called the police to help with your child. Yes, for your child. You didn't call the police on, on my child. Your kid. No. And I say that because both of you needed help. You both needed safety. Um, and we've seen—I've started to see people post like in the comments, like blaming the mom. Like, why did you have to call the police? Mm-hmm. Because she was asking for help. She was she was seeking safety for her yeah. and her son. And that's what we're told to do. If you feel like you're unable to keep your child or yourself safe, call for help. So with your very specific, very personal case with Owen, I'm trying to think. Can you talk for just a second about kind of your your general mindset, maybe before the first time, before the first time you even called for him, for the police? Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to be, like, too specific just because I want to protect Owen's privacy. Um, but the first time we ended up calling, it wasn't me that called. We were doing in-home therapy, and he um, climbed up in a tree and wouldn't come down. And he was like, I'm going to stay here. I'm not coming back. Um, And we were just unable to get him back down. And he was up there for like a while. So his therapist actually ended up calling the police for assistance to help get him down. And they were able to do that with a candy bar. (laughs) You're like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. What? But what for you, if you can kind of put yourself back in that mindset, in your mindset, like you had to call the police for help. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, like, 
doing what he does, but that's fine. Like, stay in a tree and be mad. I mean, like, were you concerned anything about, like, okay, they get here and this could potentially happen to um, him? I wasn't at the time, well, because this was a couple years ago. So, like, that didn't cross my mind. Right. So, we were, that's a perfect example of being in a place of not having this kind of information. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, for you at the time, it was just, like, well, this is where we are. Yeah. Like, we need this help. Yeah. We need this safety. Yeah. Because clearly he's not safe up in a tree saying, I'm not going to come down. Right. Yeah. Um, and they were, I mean, they were not super nice. <laughs> like, I could tell that they did not want to be there. And uh, they were really rude. But, you know, it's fine. Like, they don't want to come get kids out of trees. Like, I get it. Um, but they were also like, we're going to mark your house, you know, that your son's special needs. And, you know, when we get a call in the future, we'll know. And I was like, great. Thank you so much. Um, So that's kind of how that went down. Um, The second time I had to call was because he locked me out of the house. Which is scary for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have keys. Uh, My keys were inside. And he had locked me out and wouldn't let me in. It was inside breaking things. Um, so I had to call the police for help that time. And, um, by the time they got there, he was calmed down and had opened the door. So I didn't really have to do much that time. And then the third time was because he, um, had run and wouldn't, like, I couldn't get, like, he was running in the street and he was, like, actively trying to hurt himself. Um, and the, the police had to come and, like, chase him like in the cop car mm-hmm. and put him in the back of the car mm-hmm. which he thought was awesome um, that that sounds like that kind of backfired a little bit yeah mm-hmm. so that time he was eight at the time and the officer was like you know what this is our third time out here he's like if we have to come back again i'm gonna take him to juvie an eight-year-old and oh he's and he's eight <laughs> and i was like okay so now I don't want that to happen. So now I know, like, the police are not an option. And you know what? It hit me when you and I were talking with Maria from Autism in Black. Mm-hmm. Wonderful lady. Please yes. check her out. Go online, Autism in Black. She's amazing. She's wonderful. Um, Maria said, now see, they have weaponized that against you. Yeah. And I didn't even think about it that way when you told me that story for like the first time or since we've talked about it since then is, is you had an avenue of help that you, that like when you picked up that phone, you were like, okay, I know this will bring safety. I know this will bring assistance. Like you don't think you don't immediately pick up the phone and think, oh, they might shoot my kid. Right. Right. You were thinking this is help and safety. And Maria put it into context for us. Like, they didn't just give you an ultimatum to say, like, we can't come out here again. Mm. Like, they weaponized it against you. Yeah. And I want to be clear that, like, I don't fault these officers. I don't fault, you know, this is their training. This is what they're trained to do. They don't have the resources. They don't have the understanding that they need necessarily. So, you know, they're trained. If A happens, then B happens. You know, and where I live, um, like half the city is the city police and then half is county sheriff. 
and I live on the county sheriff's side, so they're even less resource than the city police would be. Um, so I really do feel like they did the best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. It just was not helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I'm, you're kind of leading us into like some of the first big questions that we have, like taking into account your personal experience, taking into account this story of this, um, of this Lyndon, this 13 year old boy who could be any of our children. You know, mm-hmm. Finn is eight years old. Yeah. He will be 13 one day. Yeah. He's going to look a whole lot different at 13 than he does now, you know? Um, so my first question is, and, and this is just putting this out there, who are we supposed to call? And do we need a person with a gun to respond to someone in a mental health crisis? Those are my two big first questions. Um, and you're mentioning in a county or in a in the area, we have 88 counties here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that it varies widely from county to county. Um, what steps you're going to take to keep your child safe in a mental health crisis or to keep your loved one safe in a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 88 counties, some here are largely urban, some are largely more more rural. We have many, many more more rural. So I went on to NAMI.org. NAMI is the National Alliance of Mentally Ill, right? Mm-hmm. .org. You can go on there. And it, it clicked with me because in the early, early days of my career as a therapist, um, and remember, I'm a therapist, but I'm not your therapist. Um, in the early days, I was a caseworker. And I there were times that we needed the police to help And there were a crisis intervention team. And that was way back in 2000. So I went looking. Like, I don't know what the state of that service is now. So I went looking, and it basically said that the crisis intervention team, again, this is according to NAMI, is a program that is community-based, and it's supposed to improve the outcome of when law enforcement meets people in a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. And the lack of mental health services across the U.S. is basically made it that police, that law enforcement are the first responders in those type of crisis. Is that because those programs have been defunded? What? Sorry. Um, No, I'm not, actually. No, I'm not. (laughs) But um, there are crisis intervention teams supposedly in 2,700 communities. So they're out there. Mine, um, mine is not one of them. That you know of. I mean, so here's the thing. It says that the crisis intervention program creates connections between law enforcement, mental health providers, hospital emergency services through that collaborative partnership. Um, it's supposed to identify people with mental health, uh, or it's supposed to identify mental health resources for people in crisis and ensure officer and community safety. And that's the whole, like, I want to put up a big red flashing sign because we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I support defunding the police. You do not, which is... No, I do. Oh, you do? Well, I support letting police officers be police officers. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Please go catch the rapist. Right. Please go catch the murderers. murderers. Please go catch the burglars. Right. I don't need you to be a social worker with a gun. Right. Right. And I think, 
and I don't like the word defund. Okay. I feel like people hear that word and they're automatically defensive and they don't understand what it means. Right. They think that we hate cops. Yeah. They think we want to abolish the police. We don't, we don't want the cops. We, we don't need the police. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying we don't only need resources and funding for police. Mm-hmm. We need resources and funding for community programs, mm-hmm. for mental health services, for addiction mm-hmm. services, for, you know, housing. Mm-hmm. Like we need, the cops can't be the solution to every problem. And that's the, and in all of this, what I want to say is that it's also about protecting the police officers in this 100%. picture. hundred percent. Like, I don't want the police officer to be so overworked and to be responsible for so many different scenarios. Like, that just doesn't work for somebody. Right. Like, in any other job that you have, you go into a job and there's, like, a specific thing that you're supposed to be doing. If all of a sudden, after a couple of years, your boss comes to you and says, like, well, then we're, then you're doing this and then you're going to do this. And then you would quit. You would leave. Mm-hmm. Right. So why do we expect that of our law enforcement? That doesn't make any sense how we're working that out. So they were talking about the crisis intervention team. And to be honest with you, I have no idea. There is something that um, we'll talk about it here in just a second. But in our community in Columbus, in the city of Columbus, there is a crisis intervention team as far as I'm aware. So... How that looks, how that works. We'll talk about that next. Um, But I just, I guess I just want to be really clear that there is supposed to be a service, a way to do this. And like, I guess the other question is like, are we doing it? Mm -hmm. Are we doing it well? Mm -hmm. How is it working? Is it not working? That kind of thing. Yeah. So... My next question is after who are we supposed to call and do we need a social worker with a gun, right? Mm -hmm. What is supposed to happen when we call? And that's kind of where I was going with you was like, did you have any picture in your brain about how this was going to look when you called the police for your kid? No. Yeah. I've never called the police before. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, I don't even know. Like, I've lived here where I've lived for 20 years. Here's the thing I've observed. I think we've maybe, I can count on both hands how many times the police have been out to this neighborhood that I live in. Mm -hmm. Maybe five times. And one time it was for us because my credit card got stolen. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, like, did we need a guy with a gun to come out and take a credit report? Mm. Right? Did he need to be doing that? Was that the best use of those resources and time? Right. You know, not him personally. I'm not saying something against him personally, but like, did he did he need to show up for that? Isn't there someone else that could have done that that would have freed him up Taking to a statement? Yeah. To take care of something way more scary and dangerous and important. Right. right? And not my oh my credit card got stolen. Right. Kind of thing. But I can tell you in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which was um, a much more socioeconomically status, like low neighborhood, Uh there were police all the time. Yeah. All the time. They were there. And so I, I guess I grew up thinking like the law enforcement is there for the other people 
who don't look like me, mm-hmm. you know, who don't have what I have. And you grew up in a, a lower socioeconomic area that was predominantly non-white. Yeah, black and brown. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up in a socioeconomic <laughs> trailer park. <laughs> Is that the real term for it? <laughs> yep. That was the name of it. Socioeconomic Pines. And um, and we did not have the police out that often. Didn't really? Even though we were poor. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, there is a correlation with, like, it's a whole thing, guys. You can look it up. But there is a correlation with, like, poverty and policing, and I'm not going to get all into it, but... Well, one of the signs... Just an interesting observation. One of the signs in the revolutions has said... Um, the neighborhoods that are safer aren't safer because of more law enforcement. They're safer because they have more resources. Yes. And I think that's where I'm kind of, I want to explore that conversation more, like understand that more. And I support that idea that there literally are more resources. Um, And that's why you don't see as much um, law enforcement. Um, So what's supposed to happen when we call? If you are a parent and you have had a child who has acted out who has become aggressive Mm -hmm. who is dealing with mental illness or mental health issue it doesn't just have to be autism you know what are you picturing when you when you call what is it going to look like um and so i did some digging and on wosu um it's an article that says when mental health crisis arise, Columbus police bring social workers along. And this was from December 23rd, 2019. I really tried to find some very recent things. Yeah. And they say a lot of police calls involving sending officers to deal some to someone in a mental health crisis. Um, and it can often end poorly. Mm. 25% of people get shot. Right? Yeah. Um, as a part of the new partnership. Now, here's the interesting thing. It says, as a part of the new partnership between Columbus Police, Franklin County Net Care, which is the crisis service, it's uh-huh. kind of the gatekeeper for um, the Columbus area here, and police and social workers respond when they think someone could be in the middle of a mental health crisis. Now, here's the thing. It says it's new, but we were doing something like this in 2000. Hmm. So this is where I'm confused. And I almost feel like we, at some point, need to reach out to NetCare and we need to reach out to law enforcement and say, what, like, give us the actual real story because I'm confused Yeah. About or maybe this. it went away and came back. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, but basically, the program aims to increase um, how the mental health people can help, right, the officers on the scene, and they hope that it will lead to maybe less calls for help, lead to fewer experiencing mental health problems. Like, they don't want people taken to jail. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So that was from WOSU. And then I went to um, another one, um, and it's called, it's going to pull it up here in just a second, what is law enforcement's role in mental health calls, which is kind of what the question we're grappling with tonight. Um, and this was just written in July, uh, 20, 2020 WKSU. This is, I think out of Cleveland and it talks about one of the resources is an Akron based community support service, which provides behavioral health care. 
their operations director said that the conversation about removing police from mental health is a thorny issue. Mm. Meaning that it's, you know, tough and sticky and there doesn't seem to be a really good answer. Well, probably for several of the reasons that we just discussed. I think when people think mental illness, they think dangerous. Mm -hmm. They think, you know, this is not safe. Mm -hmm. They're going to attack me. Mm -hmm. Get them away from me. And when we know the numbers really bear out and really support the narrative that more often people with mental health issues are the ones who are the victims yes they're the ones who are going to be taken advantage of or harmed in some way and we should be doing everything we can to protect the most vulnerable in our world so Um, mission number one is to change that narrative exactly exactly um so he said i wouldn't want to see a situation where social workers are going out to restrain and doing some of the types of things I think their value in having that done by a separate entity and so aspects of the current system do work well. Wait up. Hold up. I gotta say something about this. Okay. Okay? Personal experience. I was a mental health caseworker. Um, there were lots of times that guys who were way bigger than me, I'm a big girl, way bigger than me, came in intoxicated Mm. and we had to talk them down i didn't have a weapon sometimes i was by myself Mm -hmm. sometimes i had a a co-worker social worker helping me like what at what point did we decide like we need the guy with a gun all the time right to handle those situations right or like ask any nurse that's had hello you know hello yeah, that's how to take care of a combative patient. They don't get a gun. They have to have an order from a doctor for Ativan. They have to have an order for restraints to tie them, you know, to the bed. That's not an option for them. And I understand, like, that's a controlled environment. You know, it's different. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Like, no what idea. is that line that we draw that's like, okay, we're done. Call the, you know, now we need the, the big guys. I don't have the answer. I just feel like we could do better. I feel like we could do better than what we're doing now by the people who are our most vulnerable Yeah. in our community. And, like, maybe the answer is, I don't know, we fix our mental health system so that people aren't getting to that point where they're in crisis where they're self-medicating with drugs and alcohol to where they are incoherent and dangerous and combative. I've said this all along. If we can fix our mental health system, we will fix so many things. Well, and so my other question is, what are we not doing as a society to help prevent people getting into a mental health crisis? Like, how are we not front-end loading the, the problem Versus back-ending it with, and and now it's going to result in punishment. Oh, you had a depressive episode where you've threatened to hurt yourself or someone else. Now it's going to result in punishment. Yeah. Right? So instead of focusing on the punitive aspect of that, like what are we doing at the front end of the problem to try to help that person maybe not get to that depressive point? Right. Right? 
like, please hear me. I, I don't live in some fantasy land where I think like it's all unicorns and rainbows. I, I got that education real quick in my Mm -hmm. early twenties when I was working with homeless adults and mentally, severely mentally ill and drug addicted um, people who were suffering with that. Like, there's some ugly, ugly, ugly stuff out there. All right. But again, so many people that are addicted to drugs are addicted to drugs because they started self-medicating because they could not get mental health treatment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what are we, what can we do on the front end? So I went and I was looking at policymattersohio.org to try to understand budget wise, like what we do here in our little part of the world. And it's the two-year budget submitted by the governor and passed by the House um, boosted the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services by just over $259 million. A welcome move. Great. That was written before the coronavirus hit, mm-hmm. I believe. So I have no idea what it's going to look like now. And then I went back to WOSU. And People are going to need mental health services more than ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I went back to WOSU, and it um, uh, it was another report about, you know, how do we fund the police? What does that look like? And it said that um, Columbus spends 300 – this is just the city of Columbus – $361 million a year on the division of police. Wow. Which comes out to 37% of the city's operating budget. That number has gone up steadily, increasing about $40 million since 2017. What? So somewhere... And here's a comparison. Cleveland is spending $218 million on police. And Cincinnati is spending $151 million on police. I'd be interested to see the um, correlation with crime. Right. Does increasing the budget decrease crime? Right. As we spend more money. Yeah. Because if it does, like maybe that's something we need to look at. Well. And change our perception on. Well, one of the um, persons quoted in the article said, we've been asking them to be social workers, meaning the police. We've been asking them to be in schools. We've been asking them to serve as addiction specialists. And those things they are neither trained nor or equipped to do. Right. This is what I was talking about earlier. When you're in a job and you take a job with anybody you go into that job like, okay, th- I, I have a certain skill set. This is what I'm going to do, yeah. right? Yeah, like they may say, oh, you got to, you know, take on this extra project that you weren't aware of or whatever. But they're not asking you to completely do five other different jobs that are not in your skill set, that are not in your purview. Right. Why are we asking that of our law enforcement professionals? Right. And... You are a mental health professional. How long did it take you to become a mental health professional? Me? Yes. Um, You have a master's degree. I did. I had to spend four years undergrad, and I could have gotten my master's in two, but I spent four years getting it because life. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, eight years altogether. And then... So, it's a lot of training. You have continuing education you have to do. Three years of training after to get my license, my independent Mm -hmm. license. And then, yes, I I have a... 
social worker, counselor, marriage, family therapy board that I am beholden to for my license. And um, it's not pretty if you get in trouble. And yeah. 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 So yeah. And not saying that we don't train our cops well to be cops. Right. But they're, they're not getting what they need to be a social worker, an addictions counselor, in the school resource, you know, building, whatever. Right. Like, how did we get to that point? How did we look at a human being? Cops are human beings. Yeah. How did we get to the point where we said, oh, you look like you could handle three other jobs in addition to traffic problems and murder and rape and other things. Yeah, you look like you're good to go with that. So why don't you just go over there and do that? That'll be great. Yeah. I don't know. That I wish I had make a better any sense. Yeah, it makes zero sense. And it's not why do we need police in schools? It what it the question is, what makes us think that police are the best option? Right. Like, are police the, the best option for our, our kids are hurting? They are scared. They are tired. They are anxious. If your school has a police officer but not a psychologist or a counselor, that's an issue. Right. Right. And we think that punishing them more is going to be the best way to get them to be okay? Like, is that what we're going for? I'm confused. I, I wish I knew the answer to that. I am confused. Why are we so focused on the punitive aspect for our vulnerable loved ones in mental health, for our vulnerable loved ones who are our kiddos in the school? Why the punitive aspect? Why the punishment? I don't know how we got to that point. And, and I don't know how we get beyond this point. I I honestly feel if we put our resources into the front end of things, if we provided more therapists in schools, if we, because pro- look what we're asking of our teachers, right? I mean, this conversation can bleed over into our teachers. Yeah. Our teachers are also meant to be, we're also asking them to be social workers and addiction specialists and um, figuring those things out. And protecting our kids. like There's advocacy for teachers to carry guns to protect the kids against active shooters. Oh, my God. Um, I can't eat. Did you see the one meme on Facebook? It said, I took the strap that is supposed to block the door for active shooters and measured out six feet in the classroom to keep everybody... Oh, my God. Safe from coronavirus. That's horrifying. Like, I saw that and that gutted me. Yeah. So we started, we've started out talking about an autistic boy, 13 years old, getting shot multiple times by law enforcement. Yeah. After his mother called for help. Yeah. And we've kind of landed on this bigger question of how did we get here? Right. Well, and I, I want to read this statement. Um that the neurodiverse Utah gave, which I want to know more about that. Neurodiverse Utah. I wonder Mm -hmm. if there's neurodiverse Ohio. I think there is. 
Um, but their statement was, police were called because help was needed, but instead more harm was done when officers from the SLPD expected a 13-year-old experiencing a mental health episode to act calmer and more collected than adult-trained officers. Wow. And my reaction when I saw this story, first of all, I had seen it shared multiple times throughout the day. Um, our friends at Color of Autism uh, shared it. I saw it a couple other places. And I couldn't read it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have the spoons to read it. Mm-hmm. Because this could so easily be my son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've had the personal experience. Yeah. And you're also at a place where now you know calling the police for help is not an option. That you've, right. you've been told that. Yeah. So I want the reality to be better. Like, I want it to be better. I want it to be better for Owen. I want it to be better for all of our kiddos. I want it to be better for all of the people who are most vulnerable in yeah. this place. Um, so here's another question. Again, we're, we were talking about um, the crisis intervention teams. Do they work? Well, the couple of research papers that I found written recently say that not really. Really? Yeah. I know. I know. Well, basically, there was one study that reviewed 25 research articles. So that's called a lit review. Okay. Um, And basically what happens is a team of people look and, you know, read through all of those studies and kind of gather all the data and look at it, which is a really good thing to do. Um, It said, overall, little can be said about the effectiveness of crisis intervention due to varying outcomes, a reliance on self-report data, lack of comparison or control groups, and inadequate follow-up data. So it's not saying that it it's not saying that it doesn't work. It's uh-huh. saying that we don't know okay. because we're not putting enough resources into figuring out whether or not it works. Okay. So the impact is basically saying that um, new training should incorporate empirical research and um, responsive to the resources in individual agencies and communities may be more effective. So basically what they're saying is, like, we need more resources to yeah. study this. And and we're hopeful that it will be something that works, but we don't really know. Yeah. And another paper said that um, uh, we find no evidence that enhanced police training focused on mental health crisis can reduce the incidence of fatal police shootings of persons in mental health crisis or racial and ethnic disparities generally in police killings. So that's just talking about people that are killed by the police. Mm -hmm. What about the Mm -hmm. people that are injured or treated unfairly because they don't know what the best, you know, um, I can't think of the word, but the best like approach to helping them is. Right. Right. So these are our big questions. Like my final question is at what age does my son become a threat? Right. How long can I keep him safe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And this is, I, I feel like this is one of the heavier episodes we've landed on. Mm-hmm. I feel though it's necessary to have these discussions. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that people listening will hear these questions and consider them. And it starts a conversation with their neighbor. Yeah. And their friends and family. But also know, like, this is a reality. Like, there's been times that I've needed to call the police and I haven't mm-hmm. because you've been it's told not safe. It's, it's not an option anymore. Yeah. Like, it's safer for me to be unsafe than to call the police to protect me. Mm-hmm. And him. Yeah. Because we're worried about what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. So. This was not in what to expect when you're expecting. Nothing prepared me for this. It needs a revision. Do you think they would add a chapter like that in there? I think, like, when I think about what I thought my life was going to be like Mm -hmm. compared to what it actually is, Mm -hmm. like, if you wrote this screenplay and gave it to, like, a producer, he'd be like, "This this is stupid. Like, this is too much. No one would believe this. Mm. So you're going for that movie again, too, huh? I don't know. Maybe I really am. Maybe that's where I, I'm meant to be. No, it's just, it's so, there's just so much that I would have never known mm-hmm. had this not, you know, been my life. Mm-hmm. And it makes mm-hmm. me wonder what else do I need to know that I don't know mm-hmm. because it's not my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, you know, it's not... I, I think people can read things like this and it's so abstract because it doesn't affect anyone they know, you know, which was us with social justice. We're like, oh man, that sucks. Cops shouldn't shoot black people for, you know, but until we had that intersectionality, it was more abstract. It was more that shouldn't happen to them and not that could happen to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that changes things. It's come knocking on the door. Yeah. yeah. And again, I don't want this to come off anti-police, anti-cop. We appreciate cops. We appreciate everything they do. We want to advocate for, you know, our special needs, our mental, mentally ill people. And we also want to advocate for police to have the resources and the training that they need and also advocate for resources for the people that need to be doing those tasks. Right. Right. We want to ask the questions that get at the bigger issues that we're facing right now. Right. So, and that's the headspace we're in. I don't know. And maybe none of this makes any sense because honestly, it's been weighing on me and it's been real sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. I think what we're talking about, I think the questions that we're asking, it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. And it's okay that we don't have the answers because what I'm hopeful is, is again, that people will hear this and more conversations will happen and more hearts and minds will be open to my child is in danger because he's disabled and autistic. Yeah. And I, I just need you to empathize with that as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Because I'm hopeful that 
we're going to get to a place where we can have more resources for mental health, where we aren't asking police officers to do five different jobs, where we aren't asking teachers to do five different jobs. Mm -hmm. Like we want a police officer to police. We want a teacher to teach. We want want a parent to parent. Right. We want to give the resources and they're out there. You can't tell me that they're not out there. Right. They're there. There's there's money available. It's maybe there. we spend it on mental health and not a space force. Maybe, Just throw that out there. Maybe we get Jeff Bezos to pay his taxes. Get yeah, maybe some of the. Don't be crazy. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Do you think Jeff would listen and he would be like, "Oh my God, you're so right." No. Do you, you don't think he would? You think like, he's what is big? autism? <laughs> Isn't that I, Rain Man? I order enough from Jeff. Jeff <laughs> should listen to what I have to say. <laughs> Jeff should hear my questions. Or Be pay you. someone to listen to your questions. Or pay, or like an enemy. <laughs> Can I get an ombudsman? Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, are you listening? I have questions for you. <laughs> We don't get it. You have billions of dollars. Almost a trillion. (gasps) I can't even. I can't even. I Googled once how many... Okay, what is a trillion dollars? Is it a million millions? I have no idea. Is it a billion billions? I don't know. I operate in fives and twenties. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I know. Like, I don't even know how much money that is. I don't either. Nobody does. It doesn't really... It's made up. It doesn't really exist. I don't. Oh my gosh, Jeff. Maybe Jeff isn't a real person. Maybe he's like a like an AI. He's part of the. <gasps> Is whole... he a lizard person? <laughs> We're getting sued. Take all of this out. Take it out, Keith. Fix it. He might be. Maybe that's how he makes all his money. Stop. We're going to get sued. He's going to take our fives and our twenties. Do you think think he's listening to us right now? Someone will tell him. (laughs) All right. Well, y'all keep asking the questions, right? That's all we can do. Is the person in your life a lizard person? (laughs) Hashtag lizard truth. Dang it. I hate when I ruin my own jokes. Hashtag lizard truth. It's from Kimmy Schmidt. Oh my gosh. Okay. I used to work with someone that... um, Was a lizard person? That swore. (laughs) She's like super into conspiracy theories. Oh my god. Um, But she swore that the royal family are all lizard people. And Princess Di found out. And that's why they had her killed. (laughs) She's like, there's YouTube videos of you. You can watch it. She also believes that Michelle Obama is actually a man named Michael. Okay, we need to stop now. They're listening. We need to stop. They're yeah. going to come. come. Oh, my gosh. Do you we, have an Alexa? She's telling on us for sure. I know. We we have... This is gone somewhere completely that I didn't think it was going to go. Okay. Listen, we warned that we're half, half crazy right now. We are. Okay, we need to be done. And thank you so much. Um... Thank you all for listening. We This is two years that we've been doing this, and we really love all of our listeners. Whether or not you agree with us all or not, we don't care. We love you. There's room at the table for everybody. Yep. 
and we just and you don't have to think like us like that's the that's the beauty of that's the beauty of living in america right and we love all of you we thank you for doing this with us for two years we want to do it for a lot longer um so y'all are amazing and please take care and as always here is to the complexity in our journeys the highs and the lows the highs and the lows the joys and the sorrows And may those who observe us do so with compassion, especially for our amazing loved ones and our kiddos. And Jeff Bezos. And No, Jeff gets no love. (laughs) Jeff gets no love. He has enough money. He doesn't need love. We're done. We're done. We're done. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.